What's going on guys, this is Justin the Critic, and we are back with week two predictions. Um, week one, week one was amazing, lots of exciting stuff happened. Uh, we got to, you know, we got to have college football back, the, the best time of the year. So, if you didn't see my week one takeaways, I pretty much touched on everything that happened as far as top 25 teams go, touched on those upsets, uh, group of five had a great showing, Mountain Conference went off and got... Uh, four Power 5 Conference wins uh, versus Power 5 Conference opponents, just to be clear. And uh, so, yeah, lots of things happen. Lots of exciting, bad, good, bad beats. Um, yeah, it was a great week. So if you didn't check that one out, go back and check it out. Um, I pretty much rattle off lots of quick things on a lot of different teams. And so, yeah, with that being said, let's jump into Week 2 Predictions. I'll be going into detail on four matchups, and I'm pretty sure you have a good idea of two of the matchups I'll be covering today. Um, but of course, pretty much all these matchups today will be uh, conference versus conference here, um, obviously here early in the season, which is always awesome to see. And so the first matchup I want to go ahead and talk about is the game between Syracuse and Maryland. The game is in Maryland. Uh, obviously both teams faced cupcakes in the opener. Both teams have new starting quarterbacks, more notably for Maryland with Josh Jackson. If you don't know Josh Jackson, grad transfer um, from Virginia Tech. And so based on week one, Maryland, Maryland obviously destroyed Howard. I think it was, uh, the score was so high, I can't even remember it right now. But they they put it on him, basically. And so... Really, Maryland had a very dominant performance. Syracuse took on Liberty, didn't really find their rhythm offensively. I mean, they had moments of uh, you know success, and but it wasn't really consistent, right? It was kind of very uh, up and down throughout the game offensively. Defense posted a shutout, which is a good sign, but definitely showed some areas that can be exposed by Maryland. Um, which, which of course, it's week one, so they got to clean those things up. And everyone's just getting used to tackling and and just getting used to playing, you know, real ball because they're they're not really doing that type of stuff in practice um, and not really, you know, getting that type of contact. Uh, but you know, really, I believe I believe Maryland is one of the more slept on teams in the Big Ten this year. I'm not necessarily saying they're going to win the, their division. Obviously, they're in the East, so that would be tough as hell. But I'm saying uh, I expect them to put together a much more competitive 2019 campaign than last year, right? Last year fell apart. They had some off-field controversies, you know, and unfortunately lost one of their players um, in a horrific, you know, not sure what to call it, um, they basically overworked him, and so don't really want to, you know, get too deep into that. But yeah, they were dealing with some off the field issues um, and controversy, and they just had a lot of distractions. Um, and so I'm not saying, you know, of course the death was a distraction, but that came with, you know, a lot of heat towards the coaching staff and the parents, and so there's just a whole lot of things going on that affected that team. And I just don't think they were in the right mindset. 
but they did have a lot of talent in uh, last year's team, but weren't really able to put it on display. Um, from what I've seen in their week one opener, I saw tons of speed on offense. Uh, Josh Jackson looked pretty good. Definitely could clean up his his uh, you know ball placement. Um, but they played Howard, so it's it's really hard to gauge. But they did their job, right? They went out and just destroyed the team that they should have destroyed. Overall, both teams are very different from a year ago. Maryland brought back 10 starters, 5 on each side of the ball. Syracuse returned a total of 13, 6 on offense, 7 on defense. I feel like Syracuse could be you know, much better down the road, but it looked like Maryland was clicking on a higher level um, in their game compared to Syracuse taking on Liberty. Of course, we're going to get a better gauge on both teams in Week 2 once they play each other. Uh, but right now, I've got to lean towards Maryland, especially playing at home. And I, I have them taking the dub. Final score, Maryland 38, Syracuse 27. And so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, it's going to be a fun matchup. And, uh, of course, each teams are fighting to put respect uh, on their conference, right? To put some respect on their conference. Maryland, Big Ten, Syracuse, ACC. We'll see how that plays out. Moving along, we have Nebraska taking on Colorado. Funny enough, most people were super hyped up and excited to see, you know, that Scott Frost explosive high-powered offense in week one like Frost has had during his time at UCF. But week one didn't display that at all. I mean, they started very strong, but they faded very fast. If the defense hadn't stepped up and, and really uh, taken over that game. It, it might have been one of the, the other upsets that happened in week one, really. Because in the fourth quarter, it was, uh, who did they play? South Alabama. South Alabama was down by a touchdown, 28-21. to 21. Defense scores a, scores a touchdown, makes it 35-21. to 21. And so it's, it's a, it's a two-score gap. But, um, you know... As the theme goes, it's week one. We're going to find out more from these teams in week two. Everybody's got to get their things cleaned up, which I agree. But with all the hype that that team has come in with, you know, it's just crazy to see that their defense ended up being the better unit than the actual hype coming from the offense. Anyway, moving along, um, Scott Frost basically said that was the worst offensive performance that he's had as a head coach since his time. Um, you know, obviously coaching um, in that position. As I said, the defense looked better uh, on opening day, but we'll see if if Nebraska can clean it up. This is this is going to be a revenge game. You guys probably already know Colorado and Nebraska played last year. Colorado uh, opened up their season versus uh, in-state rival Colorado State and practically looked the same. Looked like the same Colorado team from a season ago. Offensively, fairly good with some talent uh, at the quarterback, Steven Montez. And then they've got um, Lavishka Chanel. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but you guys know who I'm talking about. Big big wide receiver, number two for Colorado. Uh, But defensively, pretty much just as bad as a season ago. They do return seven on offense, uh, who pretty much accounted for all their production. 
but they they lose their uh, number one running back. Um, the new guy that they brought in looked pretty impressive in the opener, but obviously Colorado State. And then uh, that team, that Colorado team, a year ago started 5-0 and and then lost seven straight. So they're very inconsistent from what I've seen. And uh, it's really hard to say. This could be a toss-up. The final last year was 33-28 to with really Colorado kind of stole that win in Nebraska late and held off Nebraska. And I expect I expect it to play out in a very a very similar you know fashion, um, but like I said, I think this game is a toss up right now. At this point, I am gonna give the edge to Colorado with the home field advantage, and just the way that I think I think the hype on Nebraska's back is also taking a toll on them because they're trying to play up to expectations that the media and the masses have for them. Overall, of course they can clean it up and come out firing in week two and look like a completely different Nebraska team. But right now, as I said, I'm leaning towards Colorado. Final score, Colorado 38, Nebraska 35. Once again, final score, Colorado 38, Nebraska 35. At the same time, wouldn't be surprised if Nebraska squeezes this game out. Moving along to the bigger matchups of the weekend, the one that the games that actually matter in the grand scheme of things, um, Texas A&M taking on Clemson. Right, we all saw how this game played out a year ago, and we're excited to see what's going to happen in their second meeting. Um, opening week for both of these guys, strong performances uh, for both of these teams. Of course, not against super notable opponents, but the way that week one went, as I said, the way that week one went for a lot of other top 25 teams and other power five teams, at at this point, it's worth noting who was dominant in their week one performances because not everyone is doing it. Who should be doing it? Um, Right now, I think the biggest difference between these teams in their second meeting is going to be on defense. Both teams lost seven starters on that side of the ball. Of course, Clemson is more likely to just reload at those positions, but I think it's it's not really the talent. It's just those intangibles, right? The leadership, the knowledge, the IQ, um, all that all that stuff, and that's pretty much what they lose in in those guys. And not to mention the fatal four on the D line who played such a big role in Clemson's success a year ago. Um, and all those guys were pretty much drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. Now, A&M with Jimbo and Kellen Mann, um, I think I think they're going to have a chance to win this game. It's going to come down to, you know, obviously the quarterback play of Kellen Mann, combination of him using his legs uh, combined with a, a similar showing from his wide receivers in last year's games, making acrobatic catches and winning their their matchups right they're gonna have to win some 50 50 balls um however with that being said i think the game plan for clemson coming into this second matchup is gonna be a bit different um the the clemson o-line is a beast and so i I really think clemson's gonna come in here and just work to establish that line of scrimmage and dominate at the line of scrimmage 
and uh, that's where I, th- I, I can see A&M struggling to contain ETN because not only is he one of the best running backs in the country, but those are some of the best O-line in the country, um, you know, creating those gaps for him. And so, as always, once you establish the run, the pass game should open up, and that's where we should see Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's going to look to take advantage of, of some of those opportunities with those ridiculous wide receivers, Higgins and Ross. And we uh, pretty much know he can just toss it up to them. They're going to go up and get it for him um, because that's just what they're capable of doing. Overall, if we just put these you know, these guys side to side, unit for unit, staff versus staff, Clemson has the advantage in all areas, and they're at home. Um, you know, as much as I would, you know, like to see an upset, I just, I'm not sure I'm, we're going to see that happen. I think ETN is going to be a heavy cowbell running back um, in this game. I think they're going to pound him all night um, and try and wear down that A&M defense. Uh, but yeah, the spread on this game was ridiculous, 17 and a half, and I think I think it'll I think it'll get close to that spread, but I still think A and M will cover. My final score is A and M twenty four, Clemson forty one. Once again, final score A and M twenty four, Clemson forty one. Moving along to the last matchup, uh, I wanted to go uh, you know in depth on is the LSU. Texas game. Sixth ranked LSU versus number nine Texas. The hype on this game is building, right? In a way that we haven't really seen in a long time. Um there there has there's pretty much been, you know, I haven't seen a game with this much hype in a long time, is what I'm trying to say. Um uh, and there's already been comments thrown around, right, from players on each side. Uh, from LSU and linebacker Kayla Von Chasen, I think that's how you pronounce his name, who basically, you know, stated that Sam Ellinger is more dangerous with his legs than he is with his arm. That's me paraphrasing. You can go and read the quote if you want. Um, I went and watched the film on both teams from week one openers. Ellinger definitely looked, you know, really improved as a passer, cleaned up a lot of his stuff. Uh, from a year ago and obviously he's just as good uh, of a runner as he was a year ago overall he just looks more comfortable being on the field and the kid has deceiving agility as well a lot of the uh, the big matchup that we're going to be watching for is the Texas wide receivers and LSU DBs right because Texas wide receivers have been really dominant in the past and pretty much winning a lot of their 50-50 balls I'm not so sure they're gonna they're gonna be able to you know have their way with LSU's DBs, which, as I said, is gonna be one of the matchups to watch for in this game. Texas though, also still trying to figure out who's gonna carry the load at running back. Week one pretty much looked like a running back by committee type of thing. Uh, on defense, obviously they've got the talent, littered with talent. But still lots of question marks after only returning three starters on defense from a year ago, which wasn't necessarily a good or bad thing. Um, That defense did struggle a lot at times, especially versus air raid attack, you know, 
which is pretty much what they're going to see almost week to week in conference play with teams like Baylor, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, right? They just struggled with air raid attacks in general in conference play. Uh, LSU, on the other hand, was probably the most impressive team I watched in week one. They were just clicking in all phases of the game. Special teams, defense, offense. Um, Offensively, LSU, a lot of talk has been um, because they're trying to find the right system. Obviously, offensively, it hasn't been working. It just hasn't been working. And that's been their biggest issue because defensively, they're always looking stout. They've always got the guys. They're always seen as one of the best secondaries in the country, but they just couldn't put it together on offense. This year, as far as what I've seen in week one, seems like they've got a more uh, fast-paced offense, some uh, hurry-up play, um, basically put into into the playbook with RPOs, just like everyone else around the country nowadays. And so it looks like they're they're working to adapt to the college football environment of now, right? And so with Burrow, uh, Joe Burrow, this is going to be his second year at LSU. He does look like he's more comfortable in the new system. But as always, man, we, we just haven't seen this guy step up in the spotlight just yet. And he's going to have a, a great opportunity here versus Texas to show that he's more than capable, right? And that this is going to be his year. At running back, they've just got a stable of ridiculous dudes. If you don't know who John Emery Jr. is, get familiar with his name. The dude is, uh, I don't even know how to describe him. He can just do so much. And he's just hes just really deceiving. He's As far as his speed, his strength, his ability to run through guys, he is a true freshman, so they might not be giving him as much reps early on. But once they start uh, giving this dude some reps, you're going to know his name, and he's going to be putting out a lot of highlights. You're going to be seeing him on Center Top 10 a whole bunch. Uh, with that being said, when I watch the game defense, this defense, man, it looks scary. They look scary. They look hungry. Uh, best way to describe them, fast, physical, aggressive. And this is going to be really one of the most experienced teams in 2019, returning 16 guys, eight on each side of the ball. Uh, for me, I believe the X factor in this game is going to be that LSU defense. I just have more trust in them than I do in Texas's defense, combined with uh, a great defensive coordinator in Dave Miranda, who knows how to put together uh, great game plans and great schemes, um, especially for, you know, really for any team that he's going up against. Just look what he did at Wisconsin, right? He took that defense, turned them into a top five, de- uh, top five defense for consistent years. Um, and now he has even more talented guys to play in those same roles. So this is going to be an exciting matchup to watch, uh, regardless of the outcome. Super excited for this one. Lots of hype. Um, somebody's going to get their head taken off. I, I don't even doubt it. Um, but I expect a lot of hits, a lot of trash talking. Don't even be surprised if somebody gets ejected because there's going to be a lot of emotion out there. But um, yeah, it's going to be an amazing matchup. My final score, LSU wins 37-23. to 23. Once again, final score, LSU 37, Texas 23.
Now, before we go ahead and close out this episode, um, notable games that I wanted to touch on. We have UCF taking on FAU, Florida Atlantic. And right now, UCF is ranked 18th. The spread on that is 10, I believe. I think UCF is going to go ahead and uh, win that game. But uh, we haven't really seen – we didn't we didn't see their defense tested in the opener. FAU started to figure out um, some of Ohio State scheming. And I don't care if it was against the second team of Ohio State. If you're playing the second team of Ohio State, that second team could probably play anywhere else, right? Those guys are just as talented to be playing at other Power 5 schools. So they, they ended up, uh, I believe they scored 24 on Ohio State. And so I'm excited to see this matchup. I expect it to, to possibly turn into a shootout, but I think UCF will eventually um, win that game. Uh, moving along, BYU versus Tennessee. Obviously, Tennessee coming off an upset versus Georgia State. BYU is uh, going to be away, so they're going to be uh, basically you know, flying from Utah, going to a different time zone, playing in a different climate, and uh, it, it could be different, but you know, as much as I want to be optimistic for Tennessee, I'm not sure what's going to happen in this game, and that's why I think it's exciting, and I think there will be a lot of eyes on this game to see if Tennessee can bounce back from that opening week. I don't know if you want to call it a slump or, or is this the Tennessee we're going to see, right? I think that's the question we're, we're uh, wanting to get answered. It, last week, was that the Tennessee that we're going to see all season or was that just a hiccup? So I honestly, I got BYU winning in a close one. I just think right now BYU is in a better place mentally um, and Tennessee is just kind of in a trending downwards, right? players are leaving I think there's lots of toxic comments going on throughout the locker room and it's just not a it's just not a conducive environment to to uh, you know put out a good product on the field so we'll see what happens with that one Uh, but like I said I think BYU pulls it out moving along we got USC taking on Stanford as you already know JT Daniels ACL tear out for the season they bring in uh, forget his name True freshman, I believe, Stavi or something or Sto Slovi Slovi something like that. He's got a he's got an interesting last name. Anyway, uh, biggest question mark is going to be with him, as well as Stanford quarterback, because they're not sure if they're going to be playing KJ Costello. Stanford in opening week, I they pretty much looked as I expected. They didn't really have any consistency on offense. And uh, even with KJ Costello in the lineup, they they weren't really driving the ball. They weren't really they weren't putting up points. They finished with ten points uh, in that game. Defense scored a touchdown at the last second. So, where's their offensive production going to come from? I'm not sure. Defensively, I don't know if it was just because they were that good versus Northwestern, or Northwestern just stunk that much on offense. So. I do think USC has a legit chance to win this game. I think it's going to come down to really who whoever can make a play. Um, and, you know, the turnover the turnover column as well as uh, field position, right? Who's going to win the game of field position? And I think that's where special teams is going to come in. Like, really, I think it's just going to be the smaller stuff in this game because no team really has an edge right now. 
with the way that uh, both of these teams have looked and with the production that they've lost. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to go ahead and say USC wins this game with a combination of their defense and uh, just their the talent, right? I think somebody's going to step up, make a play, and win it in a close one by like a touchdown or something like that. But we'll see what happens. Staying in the Pac-12, we got Washington taking on Cal. I believe Cal beat Washington a season ago. Washington is a very different team. They lose nine starters on defense, which was uh, one of the top defenses in the nation a year ago. All right. So Cal, I don't know. They looked suspect in the opener versus UC Davis. We'll see if they can turn it around and, and figure out uh, what the issue was in that opener. But, I mean, hands down, I just got Washington winning this game. The spread on it, the spread on this game is 14. There's been some trash talk from Cal players. Uh, Washington, I haven't really heard any comments from Washington just yet. So, we'll see what happens. Got Washington in this one. Uh, and I think they'll cover the spread. I think they're going to go in there and just smash with uh, Jacob Eason. And uh, those wide receivers, super underrated. I think Eason is one of the he's much better than Jake Browning right that's what I'll say at this point we still have a lot to see from him but right now I've got Washington covering the spread versus Cal uh, which is 14 Washington wins Uh, moving to the Pac-12 no excuse me Big Ten versus SEC Vanderbilt plays Purdue Purdue is favored I don't know how that is especially after getting rocked by Nevada um, in the second half so I I have no idea offensively they looked all right in the first half Elijah Sindelar made some great plays through for four touchdowns and then he just crumbled Vanderbilt on the other hand they played Georgia right so they played one of the best teams in the freaking nation so them losing 30 to 6 is actually more impressive to me than Purdue losing uh, 34 to 31 whatever the final score was in that game so right now, I've got Vanderbilt beating Purdue in this. The spread on this was like three and a half for Purdue. I think Vanderbilt covers the money line. Um, but yeah, these are games that I don't really cover or do in-depth, in-depth um, basically coverage on these, these matchups because for the most part, it's pretty obvious, right? Or the game doesn't really matter at all. Funny, funny side note I just wanted to talk about is when some of these pages or people talk about how they're I'm winning 90% of my uh, predictions on the year blah 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 but it's like dude 90 like 70% of those predictions of your 90% are obvious matchups that's going to be a blowout right just my little rant for the day that's why last year I went 49 and 19 but those are only on significant matchups only and so that's that's my rant. If you're if you're one of those people that's you know saying oh I've got a ninety percent win rate in pickums right, dude, get real with yourself. You know that's not really impressive. It's just obvious win loss situations between a really good team and a bad team, or a power five team and a group of five team. That's just my little rant for the day. With all that being said, uh, as always, I appreciate you guys for supporting the podcast. I hope you guys got some value from this uh, this episode, and uh, yeah, 
All my links are in the description for the podcast as well as my social media accounts. Hope you guys all have a great rest of your day, evening, or night. This is Just Another Critic signing off. Peace. Yeah, stay prepared for the up and down. Life is like a seesaw. Some say it's a bitch, man. I couldn't agree more. One minute you're on top, then you're in the ER. One minute she wants you, then she wants to leave all. I-